Thank you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. Good morning, church. I want to welcome you if you're visiting for the first time or if you're kind of new and still kind of uh, feeling like you're a visitor. I want to welcome you. I'm glad that you're here and trust that uh, you are experiencing God as we worship and we gather in Jesus' name. And if you had any questions about whether or not you should come to church today and you had to press through some things that are going on, I want you to know you made the right choice. Whenever you put God first, he will honor that. And so I'm looking forward to what God wants to do uh, in you. As I was watching that video on our series, Knowing God, today we are wrapping up this series. And as I was watching that video, I was reminded of how God first began to bring me to himself. You know, when you, when you think of the topic, knowing God, how do you capture that visually? How do you capture that creatively? That's quite a task. And I think nature is a good tool. God reveals himself in nature, and, and that's the way that he got my attention. When I was 14 years old, one day I was just about sunset. I was laying down on my bed, and I just had my eyes closed for about 20 minutes. And in that time, I opened my eyes as if I was blinking them open just as fast as you might blink them shut. And in the moment that I opened them, just for a split second, the curtain in my bedroom was open, had about a six-inch opening, looking at the skyline. And in that split second, a shooting star went right down the opening in the skyline of my view through the window. And I was thinking about geometry and the Earth's rotation and traveling around the sun and a star traveling through space and happened to hit the Earth's atmosphere and catch on fire. And just at the moment I opened my eyes, went right down that view that I had through my window. And I was thinking, what are the chances of that? And my mind just started to go wah, 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 wah. It's like overload for a 14-year-old. <laughs> and all of a sudden, it stirred something in my heart. I was like, how did we get here? Wow, this is amazing. Why, why are we here? And I began to search. And I went on through a six-year journey of searching until finally, I met somebody at the University of Guam, a campus missionary, and he told me, that we could experience God and that God loved us and had a plan for our lives. And, you know, I didn't really buy it at the moment, but I was, I was intrigued that he believed it. I was like, wow, this guy really believes this stuff. And it caught my interest just long enough for me to consider it and wonder, is that possible? Because my idea of God is that he was far away, distant, uninvolved. But he, he made this statement that just got my attention. He said, no, God's actually here. And he knows you and he hears you. And he wants you to have a relationship with him. And that was totally foreign to me. I'd never heard anything like that in my life. And so two days later, I'm in my room all by myself, just looking up at the ceiling. Wasn't anything religious. I wasn't in a church. Nothing that you would call maybe spiritual, just chilling out. And I just looked up at the ceiling. I said, God, if you're real, I want to know. And that was the beginning of opening up my life to him. It was the beginning of a lifelong journey that uh, just was radically transformed my life. If you had known me back then, you wouldn't recognize me. I had an afro out to here, rode a motorcycle. I was a lifeguard living the party lifestyle. And little by little, God just began to change me, one by one, year after year. Today, we are wrapping up this series, 
knowing God. And there's no way that you could share everything that we need to know in just five weeks. This is just an introduction of a lifelong journey of knowing him. Amen? And so, you know, nature is one way that we can know God. It's one way that we can experience him. But another way is through the spoken word. And today we're going to read Psalm 145. And I want to invite you to read it with me. And so if you would, please stand as we read Psalm 145. A psalm of praise of David. I will exalt you, my God and King, and praise your name forever and ever. I will praise you every day. Yes, I will praise you forever. Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. No one can measure his greatness. Let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Let them proclaim your power. I will meditate on your majestic, glorious splendor and your wonderful miracles. Your awe-inspiring deeds will be on every tongue. I will proclaim your greatness. Everyone will share the story of your wonderful goodness. They will sing with joy about your righteousness. The Lord is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. The Lord is good to everyone. He showers compassion on all his creation. All of your works will thank you, Lord, and your faithful followers will praise you. They will speak of the glory of your kingdom, and they will give examples of your power. They will tell about your mighty deeds and about the majesty and glory of your reign. For your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, your rule throughout all generations. The Lord always keeps his promises. He is gracious in all he does. The Lord helps the fallen and lifts those bent beneath their loads. The eyes of all look to you in hope. You give them their food as they need it. When you open your hand, you satisfy the hunger and thirst of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in everything he does. He is filled with kindness. The Lord is close to all who call on him. Yes, to all who call on him in truth. He grants the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cries for help and rescues them. The Lord protects all who love him, but he destroys the wicked. I will praise the Lord, and may everyone on earth bless his holy name forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. In verse 3, David said, God's greatness cannot be measured. A bucket will never contain all the water in the ocean. It can contain some of it, but it cannot contain all of it, not even close. And in the same way, the greatness of God is something that we cannot comprehend. Psalm 145 gives us just a glimpse of God's greatness. Imagine going down to Tumon Bay and trying to count all the grains of sand on the beach. So you're standing there, maybe at sunset, and you're looking down a two-mile stretch of beach, and your goal is to count every single, gra- every single grain. I mean, you can't even see it all, much less touch it all, much less count it, because some of it is six feet under. And being there standing on the beach and looking at the view of all that sand is just a glimpse of what is there. 
And that's an example of what we just read. We just read a glimpse of God's greatness, but there is so much more. Here's a summary of what we just read. Here's a list attempting to describe God's greatness. He is God. He is king. He is Lord. He is great. He is good. He hears. He helps. He rescues. He performs mighty acts. He has power. He has majestic, glorious splendor. He performs wonderful miracles. He does awe-inspiring deeds. He has wonderful goodness and righteousness. He is merciful and compassionate. He's slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He is filled with kindness. He satisfies our hunger and thirst. He is close to all who call on him. And he protects those who love him. Wow. That is an amazing list. And that's just a glimpse of the greatness of God. In response to God's greatness, David said this. He said, I will exalt, I will praise, I will tell, I will proclaim, I will sing, I will thank, and I will bless. All of these action words refer to speaking. God's kingdom is a kingdom of the spoken word. In the beginning, God said, let there be light, and there was light. In John 1, 1, the Bible says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And then you skip down to verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, referring to Jesus himself. The way that John the apostle described him was the word. When you and I come into an experience with God, the way we do that, Paul said, is if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. That's why at the end of every service, when we give an opportunity to respond to God, I say, if you prayed that prayer for the very first time, I'd like you to go and tell somebody. It's not enough to keep it inside. We need to express God's greatness and what he has done for us. And yet there also needs to be a balance when it comes to this thing about speaking out things that are not as if they were. I don't want us to fall into the extreme of the kind of name it, claim it kind of teaching that is out there from time to time. I remember once there was a church looking for a building. I happened to be with a prayer group that was looking around at different properties. You guys know where Tax and Rev is here on Guam? Do you remember what that used to be? Used to be Costco, Price Costco. And then they closed down, and for a long time, it was vacant. And the owner was looking for tenants. And I remember being with a small group of Christians, and we were in that parking lot praying about the property. And one woman in the group just began to proclaim with confidence and faith and volume, Lord, we just claim this for us. And I remember sitting in that circle going, I wonder if that's what God is thinking. Because you can only have confidence in a prayer if you know it's God's will. Isn't that what scripture says? If you pray anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, we know that we have the request which we have asked from him. That's the principle. You need to know, you need to hear from God first before you take something and run with it. I remember once there was a funeral and leaders in a church got together 
And they sincerely prayed for resurrection. And they had an all-night prayer meeting. And nothing happened. And that was difficult for them to process. What did that mean? What did that say about them? What did that say about God? How do we, how do we resolve this? And I remember saying to one of the people that was in that meeting, did God tell anybody that he wanted to raise that person from the dead? And the response was no. And sometimes we can't presume. We need to hear from the Lord first. But once you hear from God, let me encourage you to hold on to that. And no matter how long it takes and no matter the impossibility that stands before you, believe God because when God has spoken, he will bring it to pass. Regardless of what we understand or don't understand. In verse 4, David said, Let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Let them proclaim your power. This is consistent with one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, Deuteronomy chapter 6. It's really an encouragement to parents in raising your kids. It says, When you wake up, when you walk in the way, and when you lie down, tell them about the Lord. When my kids were little, they're older now, 25 and 21. But when they were little, every morning when I took them to school, before they got out of the car, I said, let's pray. I'd pray for them periodically as the Lord would put them on my heart in the daytime. And every night when they went to sleep, I'd put my hand on their back or on their shoulder and I would pray for them. Just consistently, day in, day out, talking to them about the Lord, letting them see my relationship with him. Now, to be honest, I forgot about all that. I forgot about all that. that was so long ago. And then probably just maybe two months ago, my oldest one texted me, just out of the blue. I'm just going about my daily activities, and my phone beeps, and I'm like, what's this? And she texted me. She said, Dad, I just want to thank you for all those times that you would pray for me when you dropped me off at school. And it just touched my heart. I texted back. I said, uh, sweetie, is uh, something going on? <laughs> We need to proclaim what God has done in our lives and to tell people around us it's not meant to be kept within us. Do you know the result if we are quiet about God? Do you know what the result is? Sometimes I hear parents rationalize kind of being neutral about raising their kids, saying, I want to let my kids choose. You know, that, that's commendable. I think that honors free will. It honors their choice. And, and we do want to give that to them. But let me encourage you, parents. Um, you wouldn't do that with uh, teaching them math. You teach your kids two plus two is four. Why? Because you believe that it's real. And if we're not having a confidence to talk to our kids about the Lord, maybe there's something in our thoughts about whether or not we believe this is real. I want to caution us to being quiet because, it, yes, it's good to honor our kids and give them free will, give them a choice, but give them some information, give them something to choose. Just don't leave it to the world system to give them that choice because I guarantee you, their friends and the internet will give them plenty of choices to choose from. You know what is the saddest verse in the Bible? It's found in Judges chapter 2, verse 10. It says, after that generation died, by the way, that's referring to Joshua's generation. 
Remember, Moses died, Joshua took over, Joshua took the people into the promised land, and now all of those people who entered the promised land have died. That's the generation it's referring to. After that generation died, another generation grew up who did not, who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things he had done for Israel. You know, when I read that verse, I'm just like, what? Joshua's generation? The ones who were the walls of Jericho came tumbling down and they inherited this land flowing with milk and honey and just saw God's amazing leading in their lives and provision. And what? The next generation didn't know anything about that? How did that happen? Sadly, it happens quite easily. I know families. I know church families where you go into a congregation, and it's all old people. Nothing wrong with old people. <laughs> I'm getting up there. <laughs> but it's old people only. And I'm so glad to see younger people up here leading worship, amen? And that younger generation, man, they, they got some skills. <laughs> and creative and just a blessing. And, but there are some families and church families where they're quiet about that and they've lost the next generation. It's sad. Let me illustrate it this way. This picture is from the Olympics last year, 2016. That's the American women's team, four by 100. And it's a really sad story because if you look in the bottom left of the photo, what do you see? They dropped the baton. It's really sad. It was, <laughs> it was a devastating moment for them because they were the favored team. If you follow sports at all, you, you may recall that four years later in the 2012 Olympics, they broke a world record that had stood for 27 years. The last time anybody had set a world record was in 1985. It was East Germany, and that record stood for 27 years until 2012 Olympics, and this team broke that record. So obviously, coming into 2016, they were the favorite team. And like in the third leg of the relay... They drop the baton. You know, it doesn't matter how fast you are. It doesn't matter what your history has been. If we don't pass the baton to the next generation, we too will be disqualified in the race, in the long-term race. It's the same with us, church, here at Life in the Sun. You know what we're doing here? We're making sure that we pass the baton to the next generation. We will give them an opportunity. We will give them a chance to have a place at the table. And you know how it is with your kids when you give them an opportunity to do something. Sometimes there's a mess. <laughs> but that's what you do in family. You work together and you clean it up. And we're going to do that. But we need to pass the baton to the next generation. How many of you saw the movie Hidden Figures? Raise your hand. Okay, not too many. Maybe a fourth. Okay, for those of you who saw the movie, how many of you recommended the movie to other people? Raise your hand. About the same number. My wife and I went to go see this movie. Great movie, great script, great acting. I encourage you to go see it. It's a great story. And I told a lot of people to go watch that movie. You know, it's a natural thing to do when you experience something good. You know, why is it that we're so free to tell other people about a good movie, but we're hesitant to tell them about God? 
Is it because we think maybe people will be offended? You know, there's something about God that does offend the mind. There is something about God that offends our selfish, our sinful nature. You know, the Apostle Paul said the sinful nature is always hostile to God. That's Romans 8, 7. It's always hostile to God. Do you know why? Now, just remember where sin came from. Satan, his sin was that he wanted to be number one. And then that very temptation that he had, he brought it to Adam and Eve, and he tempted them with the same thing. He said, if you eat from the knowledge of the tree of good and evil, you too will be like God. And ever since then, it's been in the heart of mankind to want to be number one. But that position is already taken. It's not available. And that's why we struggle sometimes because we want something that we can't have. It may not be directly with God. It could be a position at work. It could be dynamics in your family. It could be the way a relationship is going someplace else. And sometimes we get offended. The greatness of God belongs to him alone. Only God possesses this quality. This is what makes him God and distinguishes him from the rest of creation. The attributes, are God, the attributes of God are different from the principles of life. There are some principles of life like honor mom and dad and life will go well with you. Or seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Or the principle of reaping and sowing. You know, sometimes we like to hear those kinds of things because we can take that and we can use that to be successful. You know, a non-Christian can take the principle of reaping and sowing, apply it to financial investments, and they can see a reward. They can do that. Anybody can take that and use it. But the attributes of God cannot be shared. Only God possesses these qualities. These qualities are what makes him God and distinguishes him from the rest of creation. The year was 1715. The place was France. And King Louis XIV had just died. And King Louis, if you know a little bit about European history, he was infamous for making the statement, I am the state. He gave himself the title Louis the Great. His palace was phenomenal. It was the most plush, luxurious palace in all of Europe. And his funeral was no different. I mean, his body lay in a, in a coffin of gold. And instructions were given that the lights would be very, very dim in the cathedral and only one solitary candle would be placed above his coffin, creating kind of a halo effect over his body as he lay in state. Thousands of people gathered for the funeral. And Bishop Massillon was overseeing the funeral, and there was a hushed silence as he came to the podium, and everybody waited for his message. And to their surprise, he bent down slowly, and he snuffed out the candle. And in that moment of darkness and silence and everybody's surprise, he said, only God is great. 
Church, you and I need to be like Bishop Massillon. In a world that is clamoring for number one and bringing attention to itself, we need to proclaim only God is great. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for who you are. And Father, we take a humble position before you. And Father, we just take a moment to acknowledge that you alone are great. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. Everything that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours, O Lord, and you exalt yourself as head over all. And if you would, just in your seats, just kind of raise your hands just to acknowledge his greatness and to worship him. And in this moment of just communing, just abiding with him, I want to invite you to do what we always do, and that is just ask the Lord God, what are you saying to me? What is it that you would want me to take home today? And I want to give you some time just to listen and be still before God. take your time. We're going to give God time. And if you sense something, I want to invite you to respond. I want to invite you to make a decision based on what you think God is saying, to make a choice here today. Father, I thank you for each person here and what you're doing inside them. And Lord, I ask that you would bless them and that you would bless your work in them and through them. And Lord, I pray that whatever it is that you're speaking to them about, that by your spirit, you would enable them to live it out. Lord, that they would experience the reality of what you're prompting within them. Lord, I just declare... Uh, in advance by faith, the things that you're prompting within some of your sons and daughters here today. These are things that are not, Lord, but we want to proclaim them as if they are. And we want to trust you by faith to bring it to pass. I just want to encourage you just to trust God in that process, that he can do whatever it is that he's saying to you. It's not based on you and your understanding, what you can do, your resources but trust him. If you would keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I want to address another group here in the room today. There may be some of you here as I'm talking about a relationship with God. You're realizing that's an area in your life that you want to develop. And perhaps you recognize that you've never actually made a formal choice or a conscious decision to open up your life and to invite God to come in. And if that describes you, 
I want to give you an opportunity to do that today. What I'll do is I'll pray out loud, and you can pray along with me. Just hitchhike on my words. God will hear. Very good. Let's pray. God, I thank you that I'm alive and aware of my need for you. God, today I'm, I'm wanting to take a step. Lord, a step of faith into something new. Lord, I've never been here before, but I just sense that I need you. And so I'm making a choice to open up my mind and my heart, and I'm inviting you to come into my life. Lord, I ask that you would show yourself to me. And God, I ask that you would give me a new start and that you would show me how to live because the way it's been going hasn't been working very well. In fact, God, I ask that you would forgive me for some of the things I've done and said that were hurtful to me or to others, but most of all interfered in my relationship with you. I ask you to forgive me. And if you're praying this prayer with me right now, I want to invite you to, right now, just let Jesus and his spirit come into into your life and let him forgive you for anything that may be hindering your relationship with him. I invite you just to receive his forgiveness in this moment because it is for you. It's for this moment that he died on the cross so you could experience his love and his forgiveness. And just let him come in and cleanse from any guilt, from any condemnation, from any accusation. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would wash your people clean and set them free. Father, I pray the work you're doing in their hearts now that you would seal it and that you would complete it in Jesus' name. Amen.